Welcome back to Albus Explains. I am Albus and today we will continue from where we left last time in the year of 1773. Now let us begin. Like I said at that time too, the British themselves were not aware of their were not unaware of their own uh, greed and corruption. So what they did was they passed to check the corruption and mismanagement. They passed by themselves the Regulating Act of 1773. This was mainly because, like I said, the company was going into debt, while the officers of the company became one of the richest people in the world. This was mainly due to the tax collection rights that they had got during the Treaty of 1764 to take to take taxes from Bengal, Orissa, and Bihar, which was the which is a rich a rich place. So because of this, to check all this, the Regulating Act was passed. Now in the Regulating Act, what they did was they took the legislative powers of Madras and Bombay and gave it to Bengal and named the Governor of Bengal as the Governor General of Bengal. First Governor General of Bengal was Warren Hastings and uh, that, that's how it flowed. Now this Governor General of Bengal was uh, would be followed by or helped by a council of four members called Council of Four uh, and those members would be executives would be there to basically help the Governor, Governor General and this council also called the Calcutta Council or the Executive Council they performed the legislative functions of the British uh, the British presence in India so but mind you these were executive people who performed legislative functions now ideally what happens is like in any democracy like in India the Prime Minister who is the executive head of the country now this Prime Minister performs legislative functions primarily and then performs the executive function. For, for instance, he is primarily a legislative member of the government and he performs the executive functions too. Now, what, uh, what advantage this system has is while performing the executive functions, he is still responsible to the legislature. legislature. While an executive performing legislative function is not responsible to anyone. So this is not an ideal state because if he does something wrong, there is no one to challenge or question him. While if he is part of the legislature, his very seat at the legislature comes under question. If he does something executively wrong, which is not sanctioned by the parliament. So our current system of any democracy, the current system of any democracy is the legislature legislative people do the executive functions even the union council of ministers of india they perform the executive functions but they are primarily legislative members they have to become the legislative members in fact if an executive minister if a minister of india is not a member of the legislature he has to become a member of the legislature within a period of six months and if he does not do that he can lose the ministership even if he is the prime minister of the or the chief minister of the state, if he does not become the member of the legislature within six months, he can lose that 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 very seat, the seat uh, for which people have not elected him yet. So he has to be, it has to be a choice of the people when he sits there, and legislature is part of that. 
but legislature does not mean choice of the people legislature essentially means the law makers so so that happened also in the very regulating act of 1773 to check the crime and corruption of these officers a supreme court was established at fort williams under the leadership of the chief justice elijah mfe who was ultimately a british so what happened is he constantly interfered with the uh, east india company and east india company themselves felt that this was too much this regulating act was too much for the east india company and so they complained about this to the british parliament now the british parliament to stop this to stop the interference of the supreme court in the matters of the east india company to stop all that they passed the settlement act of 1781 this act removed the judiciary from the executive and the legislative now this is very important because this has happened this happens today too in the article 50 of the constitution of india it is written separation of judiciary from the executive so uh, article 50 of the constitution of india of today has its roots in the settlement act of 1781 but mind you this was not for justice this was meant to make it easy for the company to loot essentially now this looting went on and to stop this looting because because so many uh, british officers were taking so much money from india to britain that the economy of britain was now uh, wavering now because why because the suddenly there was influx of so much money into the hands of very few people in britain so what happened is the uh, poor were were poor essentially but the rich became extremely rich so that discrepancy between the poor and the rich became so wide that it reached a point where the poor could not afford anything and to stop this discrepancy because those filthy rich uh, raised the prices of everything the inflation of britain rose like anything affordable only to those rich people while the poor people of the entire place of any village that the officer came from that entire village Uh, became in became became very unhealthy to live in because they could not basically afford anything like eggs and bread were also so costly that they could only be afford afforded by that particular rich man they were called nawabs named after the nawabs of india nawab means prince okay people who hold the land in the name of the emperor they are called nawab and it means prince so a corruption of that word nabob was used for these these people who who took so much money from india and went to live as rich giants in britain to stop all this to stop all this uh, the prime minister of britain at that point in the year of 1784 passed a pits india act now this pits india act was meant to cut the east india company into two parts the one part would be the court of directors which would take the commercial decisions of the east india company and the other part would be the board of control which would take the political and the military uh, military decisions of the east india company so this was supposed to break the solidarity in the within the east india company now there is a very funny story which i can't stop myself from sharing with you the thing is in the year 1700 the governor of madras was thomas pitt okay uh, focus on the name uh, was thomas pitt and thomas pitt uh, took a huge diamond 
from the eye of a Hindu deity's statue, which was taken from uh, taken by a slave and hidden in his thigh by a self-inflicted gash, and it was uh, bought by this Thomas Pitt for something like twenty twenty thousand four hundred pounds. Okay, he took that diamond and he went to Britain. He got it cut and polished. That diamond was 400 carats big inside. It was 400 carats. Okay, that that diamond. He took that diamond, he got cut and polished, and he sold it to a regent in France. And it is still there. That diamond is known as the Regent Diamond, who has its origin in Madras of India. Okay, and this was neither the first nor the last time the British looted diamonds from India. But this particular diamond is very very interesting because he had he this Thomas Pitt sold that diamond to that regent for something like one lakh thirty five thousand pounds and he took so almost four times six times the money that he had bought it for himself now he took that money and he bought seats for himself and his son in the British Parliament and using those seats in the British Parliament his grandson Pitt the elder became the prime minister of Britain and his son Pitt the younger became the next prime minister in their family but the thing is this Pitt's India act was supposed to stop the British officers from looting India like this to stop that extreme inflow of money into Britain by uh, stopping these British officers to take whatever they wanted from India but that very act came into existence because his own ancestor took things from India like that. So this this particular instance is quite interesting, quite uh, quite an example of irony where the Pitts India Act was passed because and against looting of India. So that is a very interesting thing that I wanted to point out. Okay, so now after it came the Charter Act of 1793. Now Charter Act of 1793 was was nothing remarkable everything said in the charter act of 1773 was rehashed reiterated into the charter act of 1793 but the thing that happened after 1793 is the french revolution which happened during the turn of that century at that time napoleon was rising in power in europe and he basically overtook the entirety of entirety of europe and he put weird laws in that in there like any uh, trade that happened anywhere in the world with Europeans would have to pay taxes to the French. So obviously the <coughs> so obviously the Britishers uh, meant that this tax had to come from India. So what they did is they ended the charter that uh, Queen Elizabeth the first had given to East India Company that they would be the only company to trade in India. That that charter was ended and other British companies also started coming into India to to reap the benefits let's call it to reap the benefits of india okay so that happened after napoleon uh, rose in europe so all these rules were passed in the charter act of 1813 where other british companies could now also come into india the other thing that happened in the charter act of 1813 was it introduced christian missionaries into india because according to them the indians had a beastly religion with beastly gods and beastly people basically and they would have to be conformed into Christianity by these uh, missionaries. Now the missionary comes from the word Christian mission 
and the Christian mission is to make everyone in the world Christian. So that started in India in the year of 1813. So that that was due to the due to the Charter uh, Act of 1813. So they introduced Christian missionaries in India. But the thing is, the Christian missionaries showed in Britain that Indians had no culture and they had no sense of morality, no sense of right or wrong. But that this is so far from truth that it's almost laughable. But it's only almost laughable because they really showed uh, they over exaggerated uh, singular instances of uh, weird things like sati pratha were over exaggerated in the British media and things like the killing of girl child and those things were over exaggerated by the British for themselves and to the British media so that they could justify the introduction of Christian missionaries into India. So, so but that data, that, that forced data that they made at that time for their own benefit is still used in India today by Indians who really believe that this was extremely prevalent. While it was not, it was meant for the British, by the British, for the introduction of Christian missionaries. Even today, Christian missionaries in India uh, quote data from those newspapers that India was a beastly place and if Christian missionaries would not have come into India in 1813, India would be just another, uh, I don't know, just another tribal kingdom as, as they quoted it. Okay. There was also another problem after seen after this Charter Act of 1813. Whatever the uh, British Parliament threw at the East India Company, the East India Company would simply not budge. This was because the East India Company were protected by something that the British could not foresee earlier. And that was the civil services of India. Now at that time, ICS stood for Indian Covenanted Services. There were two types of civil services in India. Okay, the lower civil services and the covenanted civil services. Covenanted means covenant. Uh, covenant means agreement. Agreement that happens between employer and employee is called a covenant. So uh, agreement between the British Parliament, the Crown, and the person, the officer, would be signed, and hence he would be called the covenanted officer. So the ICS, the Indian Covenanted Services, uh, were safeguarding the East India Company. Now, to become a Covenanted Civil Service, you had to attend a particular college called the Hellebury's College of London. And if you passed in that college, you would automatically get posting in India or any of the other British colonies, mainly India, but any of the other British colonies. But the weird fact is that to gain admission to that college, you needed sponsorship from the court of directors of East India Company. So the thing is, the officers that came into India who had to actually implement these regulations and acts, these charters, were themselves extremely loyal to the East India Company because they were there themselves because of East India Company. So because of the sponsorship of East India Company. So this was this this they were never going to shake as long as this backbone of the officers in India was was there. It would not they would not budge. The East India Company would not budge. To check this, the British Parliament thought that we should make the civil services examinations open for all. So anyone with merit should be able to become an officer and not just the 
people sponsored by the East India Company, which certainly turned out after a few years to be interrelated. All the officers were interrelated. The the extreme nepotism was seen there. So three generations of officers came from the same same village in Britain. So that that started to happen. That had started to happen. And to stop all this, they decided to cut the cut that Hillbilly College entirely and to make. any person any british officer uh, meritorious enough to give the examination and become the civil service officer but when they tried to introduce this thing in the parliament the entire parliament gave a huge uproar and backlash because many mps of the parliament were themselves shareholders of the east india company so why would they willingly give up their power why would they willingly give up their source of income so that, that never happened in the in the year of 1833 but they tried it that that uh, the turning of gears had started in the year of 18 1833 they tried that it failed but the other thing that happened in the charter act of 1833 is they made they entirely took all the powers of the governors of madras and bombay and gave it to the governor governor general of bengal and they started calling the governor general of bengal as governor general of india so they that that point of bengal encompassed the entire india and uh, the first person to become the governor general of india was uh, william bentick and he became the first governor general of india Uh, the other thing that happened in the year of 1833 is the regulations which are basically executive orders these regulations were now called as legislations so laws became acts so anything said by the governor general became the law of the land so the executives were not just given legislative sanctions but whatever they did became the law itself the entire process of legislature was skipped and whatever they did became the law so that was that was a further push into tyranny of the british people in india but the, the, the but this looting of officers of india and taking all this money to britain had had pushed the british economy to the brink of recession in that time so to stop all this at that time Uh, a person called mccallay he constituted a committee which looked into this matter and he he was the one who pointed out the fact that uh, making the examination the civil services examination open would uh, would solve their problems he was the first one who did that he was a member of parliament and he constituted a committee called the mccallay committee and the recommendation and due to the recommendations of the mccallay committee and the intense pressure from the british public the opening of the examination of the civil services was finally done in the year of 1853 so the last charter that we know the after 1773 the 20 years charter the last charter of 1853 was the was the charter when the civil services were made public and that finally broke the uh, backbone of east india company now this act also made all the land held by east india company as possessions of the crown so any land held by the east india company as the company's property essentially became the british land okay so that also happened in the year 
Now, since they had broken the backbone of East India Company in the years 1853, they thought that they had solved the problem of East India Company, and which was essentially true. The East India Company by itself had lost all its credibility, and many other people also started joining the British Parliament. The other thing that happened in the Charter Act of 1853 is a Legislative Council was formed, and the members of that Legislative Council were called councillors. and they would they would make laws but the thing is all these laws would be under the discretion of the governor general of india so whatever he wanted became the law and this was just a this was just a show to keep people busy to keep paying them to keep giving them salaries this was done so and they thought that they had essentially solved the problem of india by passing this last charter so that happened but the thing is 4 years after 1853 just 4 years after this 1853 in 1857 huge war of uh, independence happened the first revolt of uh, indian independence that happened just 4 years after this so the point where they were they thought they had essentially solved the problem of india india revolted like big time the british came inches away from losing india forever so that was such a big blow to the british the british presence in india that they entirely changed the entire government system of india after that so we will talk about all this the next time we meet so thank you